We're in a series called Isolated, and tonight we're talking about being together. And those, thing, those things don't seem like they go hand in hand at all. But this series called Isolated, we're asking, how do we grow in our faith when we're not in the places we want to be? And the truth is, is part of the reason why some of us are not in the place where we want to be right now is because we are stuck in close quarters with people who we would usually like to be around, but maybe not quite this closely. There's a little boy named Ben, and I saw what he wrote this week about his experience about being really close to people who are around him and and trying to play nice with them, but it's not working out, particularly with his mom. He writes this, it is not going good. My mom is getting stressed out. My mom is getting really confused. We took a break so my mom can figure this stuff out, and I'm telling you, it is not going good. Poor Ben, but can you relate to him at all? There's this cat who looks like it is not living a very great life right now. Uh, The children are home for two weeks. Please send help. This cat is not really enjoying doing life together at all with this little girl right now. Um, But also, some of the things that we've learned over the past couple of weeks have pointed us towards some important truths. For example, on this next slide, what we see here is Joe Exotic would be thrilled to know that he alone brought a nation together as we weathered a pandemic. Hashtag Tiger King. Now, if you you don't know what that is, good for you. I'm not going to recommend it, but it does point to a truth. And it is this. It is that we are in this place where maybe we don't want to be, but we are in it together. That's what we're talking about tonight. We are in this together. We're isolated, but we are isolated together in a weird way. These are the kinds of things that really unite us almost more than anything, aren't they? The things that we struggle through together. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, he says, we are in this struggle together. Paul is writing from a prison cell, so his struggle is obvious. And he's writing to a church in Philippi. He's writing to Christians. And back in those days, it wasn't always easy to be a Christian. And so they're struggling, and they're struggling together. What's our struggle? What's the thing that we're facing right now? Now, obviously, uh, on the surface level, it is that this world is not quite as safe as it used to be. But the underlying struggle, I think, is that things are being stripped away from us, things that we never thought would be stripped away from us. Think about the things that have been canceled and the things that have gone away. Stadiums are empty because the NCAA tournament is not happening for the men or the women now. That same thing goes for wrestling, for spring sports. We don't have those places to go together anymore. Churches are empty on Sunday mornings. This space is empty on a Wednesday night, except for a few of us here now. It doesn't really feel like we are in this together. People aren't going to their jobs. It doesn't feel like we are in this together. Perhaps this season is teaching us more than ever that we really wish we could be together. I get it, maybe not in really close quarters, but we do wish that we could be together. That's a struggle. It's a struggle that has led to social distancing. Now, social distancing is a relatively new term. Frankly, before a couple of months ago, I don't know if I'd ever heard of it. Maybe you hadn't either. But perhaps some of us have been living socially distant for a while now. You know, you don't have to be physically distant from people in order to be socially distant, right? Some of us have been living socially distant for a while because, well, we're physically present with people, but mentally we would never know, never let other people know what's actually happening in our head. For others of us, we found, well, I've got a really great social life. I'm very socially active, but the truth is that hasn't led to real friendships. That's interesting, isn't it? There is a difference between a social life and friendships. Look, our social life has been stripped away, but do our friendships have to go away too? Not necessarily. See, social life, those are things that you do. 
Social life gives you something to do, but a friendship gives you someone, a person, a companion, someone to count on. A social life gives you a good thing, like a reputation. Talks about the places you go, the things that you've accomplished, a reputation. But a friendship, it gives you a relationship. And I do believe that a relationship is more important than a reputation. Let's sit on that for a second. Paul says this to people around him. He says, is there any, if there's any encouragement from belonging to Christ, it's this. Make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. What's Paul saying? He's saying, if you identify as a Christian, and if you buy into this stuff, the one thing that you should know is this. You're not supposed to do life alone. You're supposed to do life together. Now, life together does not necessarily just mean physically present, and we've learned that over these past few weeks. Because again, you can be physically present, but very socially distant from people. And Paul is saying what really matters is that you would be together with people. You'd unite. And Paul is saying this to people who are far away from him. He's in a prison cell. He's not physically close with them, but he's saying we still have community. We are still in this together. This is the point of our Christian faith, to do life together, life with God and life with other people. But oftentimes we just get caught up with doing life to do stuff, doing life to gain a reputation. Paul says this again in Philippians chapter two, he says, don't be selfish. That's what you're doing when you're just trying to impress others. And what's a reputation? Our reputation is the things that we impress about ourselves on other people. They're the impressions that we leave with others. Paul says, don't do it. Don't fall for that trick. Seek something deeper. Social life, sure, it's great. It can lead to good stuff. But if a social life is just leading to the two things that we do, it'll leave us feeling very empty. Let's think about the things that we do, the things that make us socially active. Maybe when you were a kid, you joined a sports team. Why do kids join sports teams? I know that adults looking back, we look back and we say, oh, well, you know, a kid joins a sports team so that they can learn teamwork. And true, kids do eventually get to that lesson. But you ask the kid in that moment, why did you join the team? Maybe it's because they wanted to become the next Alex Morgan or the next LeBron James. It's kind of a selfish pursuit, and it's okay to admit that. Think about why we go to college. Well, you know, looking back, we say, well, at college, you know, that's the place where I went so that I could become a productive citizen, a part of the human race. But the truth is, is oftentimes we go to college to impress people. We go to college so that we can have a better reputation, so that we can stand out from the crowd, not blend in with it, not to be together with it. Think about social media. How much time have you been spending on your phone over the last couple of weeks? Do you get that notification once a week that tells you, well, your phone usage, your screen time has gone up by 328% this week, and that leaves you feeling very ashamed and you do not want to talk to Siri at all anymore. And then it tells you in the analytics how you've been spending your time on your phone. I wish I could say, oh, you know, every single time that I'm on my phone, I spend it uh, connecting with people and, and I'm in my Bible app, I'm connecting with God, but the truth is usually it just says I'm on social media. And we say, oh, well, wait a second, social media. I mean, clearly that's just to connect with people. It can be used to connect with people, but oftentimes it's used so that we can make ourselves look really good. I mean, what are the pictures that you post on your Instagram? What are the updates that you share about your life? Typically, it's not the tough stuff. It's the things that make our reputation stronger. Why do we do the things that we do? 
how does it leave us feeling? It leaves us feeling like we have to impress other people. Paul says, don't do it. The word that it says there for impressing others, it's kenodoxian. It says, don't buy into this. Don't do this. Don't fall into the trap of kenodoxian. It's two different words that make up one. The first is kenosis, and the second one is doxa. And what it literally means is empty of glory. Empty is kenosis, and glory is doxa. Put them together, kenodoxian, empty of glory. Look, the teams that we join, the colleges that we go to, the activities that we're a part of, and the social media, it can all be really good stuff, but if it simply only leads to a reputation, we will end up feeling empty of what we wanted, and that's glory. It leaves us with a God-sized hole, really. See, a God-sized hole is interesting. You take this cup, right? And we don't notice God-sized holes. Frankly, you maybe you've never even heard of the term God-sized hole. You, you probably haven't. But that's because we don't notice God-sized holes. We can go through life just completely fine without noticing them at all, actually, because God-sized holes are usually pretty small. A God-sized hole is not dependent, is not dependent on its size, but it's dependent on its, uh, on its persistence. And so I've got the tiniest little hole in this cup. And I might not even notice it if I look at it. I might not even notice it if I've got it sitting on a table and I start to you know, pour some water into it and nothing's happening. But sure enough, as long as I'm trying to fill it, it continues to empty. It's small, but it's persistent. It's infinite. And I'm trying to fill my God-sized hole with finite things. A social life. It's finite stuff. There are deeper things in this world friendship. If you have a great social life, you might be very popular. And if you're feeling lonely, you might know which bar to go to. But if you have a friendship, you will know who to call when you're hurting. And what's better? I think it's clear. I think that's the fear that all of us are kind of dealing with right now. In this isolation that we have, maybe we feel like we're a little bit alone. Paul's trying to tell us, no, you can be in it together. But especially when that social life is taken away from us and we see that it wasn't actually like doing everything for me because the truth is school stopped and as honorable as I was and going for all my dreams in school, that came to a stop, it was stripped away. And as great as it is to join a team or a club or an activity, it's gone away. <laughs> I've got the greatest social media account in the world but now I can't even post the same stuff because if I post a picture of me with other people right now, I mean, I will get ripped for it. And I feel empty right now. And I feel alone. And I feel forgotten. You know, you think about a musician toward the end of their career. What would drive them the most crazy? It's not that the work that they made once upon a time was bad. It's probably very good. It's that no one's listening anymore. They feel forgotten. Listen, you have a, a great social life. People will always remember you for what you do so long you're doing it and so long it's relevant. You have friendship. You'll never be forgotten. I've got a great social life because of the way that I look. What if I don't look like that anymore? You know, it's funny. My iPhone can, uh, can open just by me looking at it, because it recognizes my face, right? And uh, apparently when I did that, when I set that feature up, I had my phone right in front of my face. 
It was very clear. And I looked good or something, you know, I'm like, I'm taking it in the, in the selfie angle, right? Like in the right lighting so my phone can recognize me in my best self. I tell you what, my alarm's going off in the morning, I hold the phone up and I'm like, you know, way out of it. My phone won't open because it doesn't recognize me. It's like the reputation, the impression that I try to leave on it is gone. I'm tired of Siri. I don't want Siri, I want a friend. I want a true friend. I want an eternal friend that could never forget me. Social life, remembered for what you do as long as you do it. Friendship, you can't be forgotten. Paul says this. He says, I want you to be this close. Be humble. Think of others as better as yourselves. Be so close to people that you don't only look out for your own interests, but you take an interest in others too. Be so close to people that their hobbies become your hobbies. Be so close to people that their passions become your passions. Not because you're simply conforming to them, but because you're genuinely interested in who they are. You take a look at these couples that have been married for so long. They start to talk like each other. They start to smell like each other. They start to dress like each other. They even start to look like each other. It's because they're so interested in one another. They're so close that it's like these plural, these two people, have become one. And it's a mystery. And because it's a mystery, it's beautiful. Think about a choir. Are you interested in music? I'm really interested in music. I'm not good with music, but I'm really interested in music. This is the Nordic choir that you're seeing on the screen here. The Nordic choir is one of the greatest collegiate choirs in the entire world. They tour the world, always one of the highest rated, and it's beautiful. It's hard for me to post a picture of the Nordic choir because they come from Luther College. I went to Warburg College, and uh, a Warburg graduate posting something about Luther College would be equivalent of an Iowa State grad posting the highlight video from whatever sports team from the University of Iowa. It, it just doesn't make sense. But here I am doing it because I actually spent a few years of my life listening to the Nordic Choir. I did that because my sister is a graduate of Luther College and she was a part of the Nordic Choir. And, and as beautiful as I'd heard in recordings before, it, nothing was quite like hearing it in person. Because it's these dozens of voices. And when I see it in person, it's this wide stretch group of people all sorts of different backgrounds, all sorts of different perspectives, none of them have the same story. And they're tightly packed together. And these dozens of voices sound as if they are one. And it's a mystery. How in the world could all these voices sound like they are one? That's the mystery, but the fact that it does happen anyway, that's why it's beautiful. Take a look at this. The dozens become one. It's life together.
It's a mystery that dozens of voices could come together as one. But the fact that it does happen is what makes it so beautiful. It's a mystery how humanity could come together as one right now when we're all isolated into our own places. But the fact that it can, and the fact that I believe it will happen, that's beautiful. I was asking my sister what it was like to be in Nordic Choir. You know, to stand before people all the way across the world and have them stand and clap for them to get that applause. You know, we, uh, we sometimes have these holes in our lives and we think that what would fill them is if we could just get that smile on social media. Maybe if I could just get that like from that one person. When I walk across that stage for graduation, if I could see that smile on the faces of my parents. Maybe you remember when you were a kid, you played so hard in that sport. You practiced so hard with your instrument because you just wanted to see someone looking back at you and smile. I asked Chrissy, what was that like? And she said, well, actually, there was something that was even more meaningful than the applause of others. She said, you see, there is our director. It's our conductor. It's Dr. Alan Hightower. You can see him in that picture. Very prestigious um, leader of choirs. And, and uh, it's probably pretty hard to impress this guy is leading one of the most accomplished choirs in the world. And my sister said that there were times when he would just stop. He'd stop directing them. And he'd step back and he'd smile. And she said that's the one that counted. Because he knew us. He knew all of our stories. He knew all of our perspectives. He knew all of our backgrounds. She said that uh, he treated them like he treated his own kids. He'd keep a prayer journal and he'd pray for every single one of them every single night. He knew him. And so when he smiled, that meant something. And what would make him smile was when his choir was together singing together as one. Oh, it's a great mystery. It's a great mystery. The song that you just heard, they weren't singing it in English, but you did hear the words, great mystery. It's a song called O Magnum Mysterium, and it means O Great Mystery, and it goes on to say the great mystery is that God could become human and show up before us and walk with us and talk with us and know us. God, who knows you better than you know yourself? I don't think God needs to keep a prayer journal about us because when God prays, he's talking to himself, I guess, but he knows your story because he started your story. He knows your background because he was a part of your background. He knows your perspective because he sees the world from the exact places you see the world. He's everywhere. And I think that truly deep down what we're all looking for, to fill our God-sized hole, is a God-sized smile. If that God would get close and get near, 
and approve of us and accept us. Well, that's what I've been singing for. That's what I've been playing for. And this is what makes God smile. Doing life together. Philippians chapter two, Paul says this. Though he was God, he did not think of it as, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Paul's writing about Jesus here. It says Jesus instead gave up his divine privileges. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. God got together with us. And it's a mystery how that could happen. Look at that word there, that short little phrase, gave up. He gave up. He gave up his divine privileges. How could God do that? That's the mystery. In the Greek, that word for gave up, it's kenosis. If that sounds familiar, it's because we just talked about it. It's the word for empty. We are living in a world full of people with God-sized holes that have left them empty. Meanwhile, Jesus Christ was full. He was infinitely full, eternally full. And he gave it up. He emptied himself. And the mystery is how God does that. Frankly, there's, there's so much theological debate on what that really means. God emptied himself? What, what does that mean? That's the mystery. But the beauty is that he did it. Oh, it's mysterious, but it's beautiful. These waters that we're walking through right now, this season that we're living in, it's mysterious. The fact that God would bring togetherness out of this, that's beautiful. How are you doing with that? What are you doing with that? Who have you reached out to? Who have you texted? Who have you called? Who have you been a friend to? Who's your friend? When you're hurting, who do you know will speak to you and listen to you? I want to challenge you all to do something right now. We're on YouTube Live, and as I'm speaking, you can comment on this video. And look, this might be really embarrassing because I might get done with this talk here, look at the comments, and see that nobody commented at all. But if you believe that God can bring us together in this season, I invite you just to simply comment your name. Just simply comment your name. First name. You don't have to do your last name because that'd be weird. We don't want to, you know, you know, you know, pass, you know, go too far in privacy or whatever. Just, just say your name. And the dozens of names that are showing up right now, go for it. Do it. Every single one of us, we've got different backgrounds, different perspectives. And yet God can bring us together as one. Look, a lot of things have been stripped away from us. Things that we never thought would be stripped away. Graduations, trips, tournaments, gatherings. But Isaiah 54 tells us this. The mountains. Boy, those should never go away, right? The hills, those would never disappear. But God says, for the mountains may move and the hills disappear. And even then, my faithful love for you will remain. At the end of the universe, when everything's gone, when the mountains have crumbled and the hills have gone away, there will still be God and there will still be you. 
And that's true for every single person who can hear my voice right now. The end of the universe, we're still together. We're still together and it's a mystery, but the fact that it will happen makes it beautiful. It's mysterious beauty. As God promises, my covenant of blessing will never be broken. His blessing, you know, blessing, that word literally means his favor and his protection. And in order for God to protect you, he has to be with you. And he says, yes, forever. I've emptied myself so that you could be full. Full on me, with the rest of the world, all of us together. Oh, it's a mystery. How it happens, we have no clue, and that's what makes it mysterious. But the fact that it does happen and that it will happen, that's what makes it beautiful. Thanks for listening.